Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Praise God. I don't know if you can tell, I'm ready to preach this morning. Man, am I ready to preach, and I am excited. Did you know that excitement is a manifestation? Just get this real fast before we get into the message. Excitement is a manifestation of faith. Think about that for a moment. Excitement is a manifestation of faith. When you believe something, you get excited about it. If you believe your team is going to win the Super Bowl, what do you do? You sit there bored while the game's going on? Uh Uh-uh. What are you? You're on the edge of your seat. You see, excitement and passion about the things of God are an indicator that there's faith happening on the inside of you. As you and I hear the word, it ought to excite us. It ought to strengthen us. It ought to encourage us. Y'all wonder probably sometimes why I say, hey, can I have a better amen than that? Why? It's because we ought not fall asleep while the word's being preached. We ought not get lax and lazy. No, this is the word of the living God. These same words came out of the same mouth that spoke the universe into existence. Don't you think he's got something to say to you? Glory to God. Excitement is a manifestation of faith. So let's be in faith together as we receive this morning. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I want to talk to you today about being perfected in love. Being perfected in love. 1 John chapter 4. We'll read from verse 16 down through verse 19. Buckle up. 1 John 4 verse 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Now, that verse is going to be very important after we pick apart the next three verses, okay? Verse 17, let's continue. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. How many of you are thankful this morning that he first loved you? Amen. How many of you, how many of you deserve the love of God this morning? Anybody? No. <laughs> None of us deserve the love of God. It's only his mercy that's brought us this far. It's only his grace that has sustained us to this point. Nobody deserves God's best, but he gives it to us anyways. Romans chapter 8, I quoted the previous verse when I said, If God be for us, who can be against us? The very next verse says, He who did not spare his own son, but freely delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all good things? God did not spare his best. It's only his grace. It's only his mercy. It's only the gift of Jesus that has brought us and sustained us to this point. And it's only the gift of Jesus that's going to sustain us from now until eternity. Amen. It's only by his grace and by his mercy. He loved us first. 
And now because he loved us first, we can love. We can love him back. We can love each other. We can love the world. We can love the sinner. Amen? Lord's been on me now for some weeks about loving the unlovable, loving the sinner, loving the one who would seem detestable, loving the one whose very actions are an offense to us. Selah. Let's just camp on that for a second. What would it look like if you were to love the person whose offense is so offensive to you? What would, you, what would it look like for you to love somebody who is literally having no problems practicing whatever the enemy or whatever the scripture says is wrong? We get so passionately, so fired up, and so angry at people when we see injustice. What, what would happen if we were to love the one who is literally in opposition to God but doesn't know it? I remember growing up, our pastor, when I was a kid, used to say, don't get mad at the rooster for crowing. It's what he does. You don't get mad at the dog for barking. It's what he does. You don't get mad at the sinner for sinning. It's what they do. They don't know any better. We say, well, what about when they do know any better? They really don't know any better because if they haven't been redeemed on the inside, their conscience hasn't been purified. And so they're not in relationship with God. So even the most vile thing to you and I is casual, common, and normal to the person who is outside of Christ. We love them because he first loved us. Jesus loved you when you were defiled so you can love them while they're defiled. Glory to God. He loved us first so we can love him and love everybody around us. Glory to God. So let's talk about being perfected in this love, shall we? Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Have you ever read this scripture and not understood it? Have you ever struggled with this? I have. I want to show you some Greek words in this this morning that will help us to understand what John is saying. Love has been perfected among us in this. Now, I want you, I'm going to talk about this word perfected for just a moment. And if you're taking notes, I would like you to write down three things. Three things. Number one, I want you to write down the word telos, T-E-L-O-S, T-E-L-O-S, telos. Next to the word telos, I want you to make a little equal sign. And on the other side of the equal sign, I want you to write this, perfection, perfection. The word telos is a noun, and it means perfection. Completeness. Next, I want you. Are you still writing? Okay, next, I want you to write the word teleos. T E L I O S. Teleos. Don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? <laughs> teleos. It is an adjective. That means perfect. So telos 
means perfection. It's a noun. Teleos or teleos, depending on how you, depending on who you listen to. It's an adjective. It means perfect. I want you to write down one more. Teleao. T-E-L-E-I-O-O. Teleao. T-E-L-E-I-O-O. It means to be made perfect. It's a verb. Now, if you're good note takers and very attentive people, this is what you should have on your paper. You should have telos, which is a noun meaning perfection. You should have teleos, which is an adjective meaning perfect. And you should have teleao, which is a verb meaning to be made perfect. Telos is the root word in the Greek, and the other two are based off of that word. Now, this is very important in this passage. Let's read verse 17 again, and I want to, I want to see if you can guess which of those three words is being used here. You doing okay? Put your thinking caps on. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Which of those three words do you think is being used there when it says love has been perfected among us in this? Teleao. Very good. Good job, Gary. To be made perfect. It's indicative of a process. I don't like the way in the, in the New King James, the translators made it past tense. Love has been perfected. That's a very, it's not a good translation from the Greek. Because this word teleao here that's used when it says love has been perfected, it indicates a, it's a present tense verb. It's an action word. It's describing something that is happening, not something that happened. You see, you and I have not arrived, yeah. right? Who's, who's arrived? Who's there? Who's perfect? Anybody in here? You just say, yeah, man, I got it all together. My stuff doesn't stink. I am right where I need to be, praise God. I'm looking down on the rest of y'all. Uh-uh. Nobody has arrived yet. We are in a process of development. Amen. Now, your spirit man, understand this, your spirit man, from the moment you got saved, was made perfect. That is a completed and finished work. But the rest of you is catching up to what God did on the inside when you got born again. Can you say amen? Amen. This word indicates a process. Let me give you an example of that. Are you ready? When, when did you grow up? Think about it. Those who are adults, when did you grow up? I'm not talking about like in the 80s or the 70s or the 60s. I'm not talking about the decade. When did you grow up? When was the moment that you went from being a baby to an adult? Doesn't happen, right? You can't pick one moment. It's a string of moments. It's a process. How many of you are like, I'm still not grown up? Right? Anybody besides me? Yeah. I'm still growing, right? 
You can't pick a moment in time and say, before that moment I was immature, and then that moment happened, and now I'm mature. If you could, then God could supernaturally make everybody mature in a moment, but he can't. Nobody can lay hands on you and speak maturity in Jesus' name. No, that happens as a result of time and walking with God. We're in a process of having love perfected in us. Now, I want to be very careful when I talk about this idea of a process, and there's a reason. Oftentimes when people talk about the processes that God has us in, it's usually with, with, with respect to something bad happening. So people will say, you know, it's, when the going gets tough, remember, you're in a process with God. And a lot of times people embrace that to mean that, hey, all the stupid stuff I've done is finally catching up with me and life is getting hard, must be God. It's quiet in here this morning. It's a little quiet. Don't confuse God leading you through a process. Don't confuse that with difficulties in life that are caused by our ignorance or lack of wisdom. See, you'll get in a financial bind, right? You'll go to McDonald's 17 times in a week and spend all your money, and then you won't be able to pay your electric bill, and you'll hear somebody talk about the process God's taking you through, and you go, yeah, oh, praise God, it's just a process. The Lord's just, oh, the Lord's just working on me. No, bozo, stop going out to lunch every day at McDonald's and spending all your money away. Hello? I can say that because I've done that. Okay. Don't confuse a process that God is leading you through like being perfected in love. Don't confuse that with something that you or I did that is now catching up with you. If our foolishness and our ignorance catches up with us, that's not God trying to teach you something. What you need to do when foolishness and ignorance catches up with you is hit your nose into the carpet. Say, Father, forgive me because I haven't, I haven't walked in wisdom. Show me how to change this. Because you know what happens when, when you do that? God's a liberal giver of wisdom. He'll come right to your call and say, oh yeah, let me, show, and let me show you exactly what you need to do. That's when the process starts. Oh, touch your neighbor and say, that's deep. <laughs> Praise God. You can't point to a single moment in time. Let me use my analogy of growing up. can't point to a single moment in time when you grew up. Growing is a process. It's a process of being perfected. Now, let me say this. Anytime God is leading us through a process, he is wanting to produce something in us. He is cultivated like a master farmer, like a master grape tender, works with the vines to produce the most fruit out of that vine. When God is taking you and I through processes, he is pruning and working on us to try to get the most out of us. It's character development. When God is doing what John is describing here in verse 17, when he is perfecting his love in us, this is an ongoing learning relationship with the Holy Spirit. And what he is doing is pruning our bad attitudes. He's pruning our frustrations. He's pruning things out of us so that he can yield the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Right? 
Y'all remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance. The kids could tell us. Amen. Don't confuse the fruit of the Spirit, which is something that needs to be cultivated in us, versus a gift of the Spirit, which is something God does in an instant. All right? When a gift of the Spirit comes, it's God's empowerment endowed into a person for a moment to get a job done. Right? Working of miracles. Boom, it just happens. It's just the, you didn't do anything for it. You didn't even know it was coming. It just shows up and boom, somebody gets healed. It's the Spirit of God endowing power in you for a moment to get a job done. It's a, it's a surge of the anointing to come and fix something in your life. Don't confuse that with a fruit of the Spirit that God is perpetually cultivating in us. You don't grow a bunch of grapes the day after you plant the seed. Did you know that for the first like four or five years, if you're trying to grow grapevines, I want to grow Concord grapes at my house. I was very distraught when I heard this. For like the first three or four years, you are supposed to cut the fruit off completely and just get rid of it. As soon as fruit comes onto that grapevine, if you want the grapes to be healthy, you're supposed to cut it off. You're supposed to prune really, really hard in those first few years. Why? Because when you do that, you're forcing the roots of the plant to go down deep. This is why grapevines that have been properly tended can last severe drought. Years and years and years of drought. And grapevines can keep producing. Because their roots have gone so far down because somebody took the time to prune them. We have this ridiculous expectation on us that we're supposed to walk in perfect love all the time without going through the process of cultivating love in us that the Holy Spirit is trying to do. So what do we do? We, we, I blow it with my wife. I, we get frustrated. We fight and we bicker at each other. And then I get frustrated with myself and go, man, you bozo, why can't you walk in love? And I need to step back and say, Lord, wait a minute. You're trying to take me through a process of cultivating your love on the inside of me. What if we partnered with the Holy Spirit and let him do the things he wants to do on the inside of me? Glory to God. Amen? This word teleao indicates a process. It's a verb. Don't confuse it with the finished product. Amen? Now, the purpose, what is the purpose for love being cultivated or perfected in me? The next line of this verse says it. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness. Why does God want to perfect his love in you? It's so that you and I will have boldness. The purpose for love being perfected in us is boldness. The word boldness in the Greek means freedom in speaking. One time I was teaching on that word and I drilled down into it in the Greek and I found out that it means, literally means this, no beating around the bush. I remember I was preaching on prayer and I was talking about having boldness in prayer and I was like, don't beat around the bush with God. If you're, if you're believing for something, tell him exactly what you're believing for. Have boldness with him. He's your father. He already knows anyways. Jesus said, if, Jesus said that uh, 
He knows the things we have need of before we even ask. So, so why not have boldness with God? Lord, I, this is what I'm in need of, Father. Right? So Jesus or John is saying here that it's his love being cultivated in us that is for a purpose. And the purpose is that we would have boldness. Boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness is freedom in speaking. Now, I found another word in the Greek that interested me, and it's the word judgment here. Love is being perfected among us in this, that we, so that we would have boldness in the day of judgment. The word for judgment, this is extremely interesting. It's the word krisis in Greek. Do you know what English word we get from the word krisis? Crisis. Love has been perfected. Love is working something on the inside of us so that it will produce out of us boldness in the day of crisis. Now this term, the day of judgment, is used all through the New Testament and it is describing the final day when we'll stand before the Lord, the end of the earth, you know, the book of Revelation, apocalyptic, you know, It's talking about that, yes, but it's also talking about a day of crisis, a moment of crisis, a time when you and I encounter crisis either in our lives or in the life of somebody else. And in that moment, the love of God is supposed to compel us to have boldness to speak into that issue. Wow. Love is being perfected among us, trying to get us to this place of boldness. Because, after all, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Those six words, as he is, so are we, you know what that is? That's your identity, folks. That's your identity. What is the purpose of this whole thing? The reason that love is being perfected in us is to produce a boldness in us that is rooted in our identity in Christ. Oh, can I have a stronger amen than that? That's serious, man. The reason that God is working this process in us of training us in his love is so that when we see the sinner, when we see the cancer, when we see the problem, when we enter into a moment of crisis, we are able to take this love that's been perfected in us and it should produce in us this boldness and the boldness gives us the right to speak based on the fact that as he is, so are we in this world. When I speak boldly into a situation, I'm drawing on the resource of who God says that I am. As he is, so are we in this world. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the hindrance to boldness? Very good, fear. Somebody said it. Fear is the hindrance to boldness. Look at the very next verse. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Oh, no. There's the word perfect again. Which one of the three do you think is used here? You scholars, you who are taking such studious, efficient notes, which of the words do you think is used here for perfect? 
Teleos, very good. What is teleos? It's the adjective. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Who has perfect love? Anybody? Think about it. This is not a trick question. Who has perfect love? God, right? There is no fear in the love of God because perfect love, God's perfect love, casts out all fear. Fear involves torment. You know, you ever wonder why you have such a hard time praying for somebody? It's because fear is there, right? What if I say, what if I witness to someone and they don't get saved? What if I pray for someone and they don't get healed? What if I, what if, what if, what if? Anybody ever felt those kinds of emotions? What is that? That is fear trying hard to work against this love that's being perfected in us. Yeah. Fear, the word is phobos in the Greek. You know what word we get that? We get from that, phobia. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. This is, this is very important for us to understand when it comes time for us to walk in faith. Sometimes we question why our faith may not be working. Lord, I'm confessing the word. I'm praying. I'm doing everything that I know to do to believe you. Why, is, why am I not seeing the result of my faith? Oftentimes... It's because we are filled with fear and the fear is working against our faith. You following me? But here's the beautiful revelation. As I yield myself in loving relationship to God, his love is working on my inside. And guess what happens when love faces off with fear? Love wins every time. You see, if your faith, if you're struggling in faith and your faith is fighting against fear and you don't seem to be gaining any ground, you need to step back, take your hands off the wheel, Jesus, take the wheel, and just begin to spend fellowship, quality time with Jesus. And what happens is his love begins to work on you and it's his love entering into your heart that will exit fear. Yeah? Are you following me so far? Is this making sense? Okay, check this out. It says, perfect love casts out, perfect love casts out fear. The word literally in the Greek means to throw out. It's the word balos, means to throw. Did you ever see somebody get thrown out of a restaurant? Or out of a bar or a club before you knew Jesus? When you're out there clubbing with your homies, chopping it up real good. Did you ever see somebody get removed? Sorry, sir, you're going to have to come with me. That's what love does in you when it encounters fear. But see, you never get to this perfect love casting out fear until you yield yourself and you take your hands off and you take control off and you let God begin to perfect his love in you. You see that? There is no fear in love. Why? Because perfect love says to fear, excuse me, you've got to come with me. You've got to go. I always think of like those, uh, 
those like Western movies where they take the guy and slide him down the bar and he crashes out the front window onto the porch. That's what love does to fear. That's what the perfect, flawless love of God does to fear in your life and in my life. It will give you, as his love encounters your spirit, it begins to produce in you his love. And as it's produced, love increases and fear decreases. If you're struggling in faith this morning, don't stop trying to work on your faith and start looking towards the love of God. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that faith works by love. So if you are struggling in faith to believe God for anything this morning, take a pause off trying to build your faith and begin to cultivate the love of God in your life. Let love overpower all the fear. Let love come and build up and strengthen boldness on the inside of you. Amen. God's perfected love enters my heart, and is literally kicking fear out. Notice the rest of this verse. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. I'm going to leave that alone because I don't have time, but it's really good. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. There it is again. Which one do you think is used there? Teleao, the first one. There is no fear in love, but perfect teleos love casts out fear. But he who fears has not been teleao, made perfect in love. The one who fears is refusing to go through the process of letting love impact their life that God wants to lead them through. Somebody say, that's not me. That's not me. Come on, confess it. That's not me. That's not me. I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to be the one who lets the love of God cultivate me and work on me so that my faith gets strong, so that grace gets manifested in my life, so that fear gets pushed out, so that I'm bold and I'm not intimidated by the enemy's garbage anymore. Amen. We can't hold God accountable for things he's instructed us to do that we are not doing. Come on. We can't hold God accountable for things he's instructing us in his word that are going to lead us into life. Can't hold him accountable for not doing those things. Amen. I discipline my children because I love them. Right, Claire? Yeah. And she's a good kid. She hadn't had spanking in a very long time. <laughs> Amen. I discipline my children because I love them. Right? How ridiculous would it be for me to give them instruction and them not do it and then turn around and tell me I need the spanking. Turn around and say, Dad, why didn't you? What's the deal? I touched the stove and it hurt. I got burned. Where were you? I was standing there the whole time saying, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. Ah, now you touch the stove. Now, God's not a vengeant God. He, doesn't, he, he takes no pleasure in that. But likewise, we can't hold him accountable for being disobedient to the things he's told us to do. And he is telling us here to allow his love to cultivate our lives. Because as we embrace the love of God on the inside, as we free ourselves from torment, you know what torment here means? Punishment. Punishment. You know, people who live in fear are people who are perpetually tormented with the idea that God is somehow going to punish them. 
This is somebody who hasn't let God's love cultivate him yet. I'm telling you, let the, take the walls down and let God permeate your heart with his love because as you, as you do that, you're going to increase in his life and in his love on the inside of you. Fear is going to diminish on the inside of you. Faith is going to rise up and everything you do will be fueled by grace. The love of God. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, 8, please. I mean, if you're going to get a tattoo, tattoo it. If you're going to put something up on your mirror, you know, quit, you know, hashtag this, that, and the other. Just 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. If you walk in the way of God's love, it eliminates failure from your life. Some of you don't believe that, but it's true. Verse 19. He who fears has not been made perfect in love, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. The whole reason you're even breathing is because he loved you first. The whole reason you even have life in your body is because he loved you first. Ought you not take that love and let it be perfected in you? You say, okay, Pastor Josh. You talked about a process of love being perfected. You talked about how as his love enters our heart, it drives out fear. You talked about how boldness rises up. You talked about how this makes our faith work. How do I do it? How? How do we enter into this process of love being perfected in us? Anybody want to know? Verse 16. Verse 16, the context of the whole thing. How do you let love permeate you? How do you let the love of God permeate you? Verse 16, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. How do we enter into this process of letting love work within us and be cultivated and be made perfect in us? Number one, you know. Number two, you believe. Number three, you abide. Know, believe, and abide. It's not just good enough to know that he loves you. It's not just good enough to know that his love is there. Now, there are, some people who, there are some people who don't even realize, who don't, they don't even know God loves them. But for those of us that do know that he loves us, we can't stop there. It's not just good enough to know that he loves you. You must believe that he loves you. You must make the choice of faith. Faith is a choice. Choosing to believe God is a choice. It's not based on an emotion. It's not based on a feeling. It's not based on anything other than what he has revealed in his word. So the first thing I need to do is know by his word that he loves me and that his love is at work on the inside of me. Step one is know God. Step two to enter into this process of love being made perfect is to believe. You have the choice of what you believe. You do. You have a choice in what you believe. Anybody with kids knows this is true. Seriously. Honey, did you, did you break the screen? No, I didn't. I promise. Promise I didn't. 
Right there in that moment, you have a choice. Do I believe this kid? Or do I submit to further investigation? I know it's simple, but don't let it be too simple. When God tells you a promise in his word, we sang about it this morning, all his promises are yes and amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that all of his promises are yes and amen? Or, 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 or are you just going to still analyze it and stay up here? The Bible says with the heart man believes. With your heart you make a decision based on what you know comes out of the word. Step one, you know. Step two, you believe. Now three, step three, this is where 99.5% of us miss it. I don't know about you, I'm, I love when people show me where I've fallen short. I love when the word of God shows me some area that I need to correct. Anybody else like being corrected? Yeah, all hands should be raised. That's, that's not a trick question. Uh, listen, this is where we miss it, guys. This is where we fall short, this one little tiny area. Most of us know God loves us. Most of us know his love is working on the inside of us. Most of us even believe it. Where we fall short is that we don't abide in his love. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. I'm here to tell you this morning, I preached this message not because I wanted to, but because God told me to yesterday. I was going to start our Colossians series this morning, but I know that I know that I know, just as much as I know my own name, that somebody in here needs to hear this. You've been trying, working so hard to cultivate faith in your life and you feel like you're hitting a wall and you can't get past it and God wants you to know all you've got to do is know, believe, and abide in his love and let his love do the rest of the work. Let his love do the work. There's an art to resting in the promise of God where you, where you relinquish control, where you say, Lord, I'm gonna believe you and I'm gonna abide in you. I'm gonna pursue you. You see, the key, the key to you receiving your miracle, you receiving your breakthrough, receiving whatever it is that you need the key is found in abiding in him. Scripture says in Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You'll never get victory over something you're intimidated by. You'll never get victory over something that, that has fear and, and is taking dominion over you. You can't exercise dominion over something that has dominion over you. So the answer is to get alone with the Lord and, and say, Father, I'm going to let your love do its work. I want to be perfected in the love of God. I want love to cultivate from the inside out. As you do, all the mechanics of faith that you've been trying to work over here will snap into place. I promise you. Amen. See, we struggle so hard. We struggle so hard 
to try to get God to do something. God's already done everything he's going to do. Jesus already died on the cross. Everything you need has been paid for and taken care of. You don't need another person to pray for you. You don't need another person to lay hands on you or anoint you with oil. You don't need any of that. All you need to do is let the love of God cultivate on the inside of you. Begin to abide in him. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's home for the believer. I'm not talking about your house. I'm talking about that's home for the believer is to be under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where miracles happen. That's where the creative power of God takes over. If you're believing for a manifestation of God in your body or in your mind and your emotions, listen, we've learned the mechanics of faith. That's good. Keep doing those things. But listen, the key to all of that working is being in the presence of Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus again. Amen. Fall in love with Jesus again. When's the last time you prayed just for the sheer fellowship of it? When's the last time you worshiped just for the sheer fellowship of time with God? When was the last time you enjoyed the sweetness of his presence? That's the key to the breakthrough. That's the key. Oh, is this, is this helping you today? Is this, I mean, are you getting something out of this? Okay, good. I want to make sure. The Bible says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Sometime you ought to do a study on the shadow of the Almighty. It's, it's amazing what happens in the shadow. The Bible says, you want me to give you a little taste? The Bible says that in Genesis chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit overshadowed the face of the deep. And when the word of God was spoken, let there be light, out of the shadow came light. Peter, when he walked through the marketplace, the Bible says everywhere his shadow fell, when it touched a person, they were made whole. The Bible in Luke chapter 2, when Mary, we talked about Mary last week in Mother's Day, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord will overshadow you and the power of the Most High shall come upon you and that which will be born in you should be called the Son of the living God. Mary got pregnant with Jesus under the shadow of the Holy Spirit. When you and I get into the place of abiding in the love of God, simply loving him to love him and let him love back on you. We loved him because he first loved us. Entering into this place of love and joy in my relationship with God for nothing else other than just I want to love on him. What happens when you do that? You come under his shadow and that's where the miracle happens. That's where the creative power of God goes into work. His shadow produced everything you see. His shadow overshadowed Mary and caused her to get filled with Jesus. Caused her to you know, become pregnant with Jesus. The shadow of the Lord overshadowed Peter and then his shadow healed people everywhere that he went. It's amazing. It's this really, really profound Hebrew concept of the shadow of God. If you and I will take that seriously and if we will enter into this beautiful relationship of love with the Lord, let his love be perfected in you. Boldness is going to come. Fear is going to leave. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, 
Check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.